Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before I get into the stories, I need to say that this whole video is pretty much very intense stories. And I need to give a trigger warning for story number one and story number three. And even story number two for just violence, I guess. Yeah, this is a dark one. And I'll completely understand if a lot of you want to skip it. But I had to mention that before I start. As always, if you want to send a story, you can find a link down in the description to my website. And without further ado, let's get into the stories. Stay hungry. This happened almost three years ago, and I do apologize on how long it'll be. I met my close friend Michaela back in high school in 2015, where I was a junior and she was a freshman. We originally started out as partners for our psychology class, but our relationship grew and we saw each other as close friends, and at times, a mentor and mentee, since Michaela was interested in pursuing art after high school, just like me. After I graduated, I began my studio art studies at my local university. And a while later, Michaela got accepted into the same art program as me, but chose to start at our local community college to save money, which I completely agreed with and fully supported. After all, there's no shame in going to community college first. Now it's February 2019 at this point. It had been a year since I last got to sit down with Michaela and catch up on the latest events in our lives, given that we've been focused on all our studies. We decided to meet up at this particular Starbucks location since it was a block away from the community's college downtown campus where Michaela's class was at, and it was three blocks from the University School of Art where I was. We arrived and we greeted each other excitedly, and that was when Michaela then introduces her boyfriend at the time, Eric. I recognized him as one of the annoying kids that went on our high school's Japan trip with me, my boyfriend, our three friends, and 16 other students back in the summer of 2017. We exchanged greetings, and after a few minutes, Michaela and Eric said their goodbyes since he had to attend his next class at the downtown campus. Michaela and I talked for about three hours about anything and everything. I bring up Eric, and that's when Michaela suddenly laid it out on me that he was a complete nutbag. She explained how Eric was this clingy, possessive type of guy who got angry with Michaela with just about anything that had to do with women and art. Eric once got mad at her for drawing a nude model in her figure drawing art class. Michaela tried explaining that it was because art students had to draw the human anatomy in various poses, but he declared it as cheating somehow. He got mad when Michaela and him went to the art museum, and she happened to stare at an artwork of a nude woman. Eric was pretty much calling Michaela a cheater, as well as a closeted lesbian. You would think whether someone is an art person or not, they would understand and even appreciate the arts of the human body. But not Eric. Now, here's where it gets a little contradictory. Now, Michaela's a bit of an anime fan. I often recommend her shows that she would be interested in, and I warn her of other shows that she can tread carefully if she ever chooses to watch. Eric, however, was not like that. He begged and encouraged Michaela to watch the anime Goblin Slayer, 
and without warning her, she was horrified. Correct me if I'm wrong, but for those who don't know, slight trigger warning here. But I believe there's a scene in the very first episode where a character is raped by goblins. I myself have never seen it, but I heard you can hear and see the blurred out image of the goblins doing the act as it pans away. Eric didn't understand why Michaela didn't like the episode and had refused to watch the show entirely, so he was annoyed that she felt a little sick from the episode. Another contradictory thing about Eric is that while he hates Michaela looking at the human body, he openly shared with Michaela his hentai image collections, with many being underage anime girls. Michaela knew about hentai in general, but she felt disgusted and annoyed at Eric. So it's okay with him to like something that has to do with naked fictional characters, but it wasn't okay for Michaela when it comes to her studies. Michaela's choice in guys had been very poor, but I understand that she's trying to grow and move away from ending up like her mom. I mean, who would have ever thought that this is how Eric was? While Michaela was telling me about Eric and all that was mentioned, she got a text from him. Her eyes then widened in horror. Remember when I said it had been about three hours of me and Michaela talking? Well, Eric had texted Michaela, asking if she was done with me yet. Turns out, he never even went to class. He walked back to campus to pick up his car, drove back to Starbucks, and then parked at a corner where we couldn't see him from inside. We both went from horrified to pissed. Now in general, you know that if you haven't seen a friend in a really long time, you just want to sit down and chat for a really long time, right? Well, apparently Eric assumed we were just going to be talking for 30 minutes, not three hours. He was angry at Michaela, and he was demanding her to get in the car so he can take her home. If I could drive, I would have immediately offered her a ride home, but I didn't have my license yet. Michaela assured me many times, however, and she stated she'll be fine. I walked her to Eric's car. He comes out and says, Didn't think it would be a long time for you two to talk. And he then extends his hand out for a goodbye shake. I clasped his hand and I gripped it tightly, saying, Yeah, Michaela and I love talking. You know, that's what happens when you catch up with a friend that you haven't seen in about a year. Eric tried letting go of my hand, but I held on. Michaela's like my little sister and I expect for her to arrive home unharmed. I really don't need you to fuck around and find out from me. I let go of Eric's hand, and I smiled. I hugged Michaela, and I whispered for her to let me know when she gets home. A while later, she texted me she was home safe. Fast forward about two months later, and again, Michaela and I met up for lunch. She explains to me that after they left Starbucks, Eric had argued with Michaela and was convinced I was in love with her and that I was trying to steal her away from him. Eric was angry, stating how badly he wanted to hurt Michaela, but that he was restraining himself from doing so. Their argument became a heated shouting match, and instead of physically hitting one another, Michaela punched the dashboard and Eric punched his windshield. Without further incident, Michaela got home safe, only with a tender fist pretty much. Michaela and Eric have broken up about two weeks prior to our new lunch date, but he's been stalking her. It's gone to the point that Eric has skipped attending his classes at the downtown campus 
and he drives 15 minutes to go to the community college's west campus, where the majority of Michaela's classes are. So, on the night Michaela broke it off with Eric, he couldn't cope with the news, and he took off running in the darkness of Michaela's neighborhood. She didn't know whether to look for him or not, but decided to just leave him. About a half hour later, she gets a call from him saying he's been crying and that he was hiding under his car, hoping Michaela would look for him. Already done with his shit at this point, she tells him to fuck off. Now, back to our lunch date. Michaela acknowledged that Eric was really bringing out the worst of her, to where she was physically punching things in frustration, as well as having verbal shouting matches with Eric. I was even more worried about Michaela's safety, and I suggested a restraining order. She gladly announced that she had actually filed for one after she broke up with Eric, and it was already in effect. Our lunch date ended, and a week later, Michaela calls asking if I could pick her up at the West Campus when her art class was over at 4 p.m. Since I already had my license, I happily obliged. From the university to the West Campus, it's a 30-minute drive, 20 without any traffic. I got there five minutes before class was to be dismissed. As I was waiting, I saw Eric pacing the R building's entrance. The way that Michaela's class is laid out is that the entrance to the R building opens and it leads you to two hallways in which there's four classes in each. Michaela's class was in the left hallway to the very end, so she wouldn't know about Eric standing outside the building's entrance. I called her and I then warned her about Eric. Luckily, when class ended, Michaela was escorted out to my car by her instructor, who was well aware of the situation. I'm not sure where the campus security was at the time, since this was a small campus, and they didn't see the need to have one patrolling the area. Michaela gets in the car, and she quickly asks if we can drive her to her friend's house where she'll be staying at. It was a 30-minute drive up north, and I knew where her friend had lived at since I recognized the streets, as a childhood friend of mine lived in the area. I didn't hesitate to floor it out of the campus. Michaela's friend, who we'll call Jade, lived in a gated community, and in order for you to enter, you need to type in the code to gain access. Michaela gave me the code, and she notified Jade we were driving to her house, which was ETA five minutes. Jade was outside when we arrived, and out of courtesy, Jade had invited me in the house as well to cool down for a few. I was letting my guard down, since I'd believe Michaela was safe here in the gated community. However, the evening was setting in. I was getting ready to leave, and I was saying my goodbyes to Jade and Michaela. Their backs were turned to the sliding glass door of the backyard, and I was facing them in the doors. There was still a bit of sunlight left outside, and to my horror, the last bit of sunlight showed the silhouette of a figure jumping down from the wall. I then yelled, and the girls turned around quickly to then see the silhouette of Eric. Now, I was very stupid, but my adrenaline kicked in, and I immediately ran towards Eric after seeing that he was stumbling after landing wrong, when he had previously jumped the six or seven foot wall. He quickly got up, and he charged at me too. And though Eric was five foot four, I do admit I'm a little on the heavier side at 5'1 for muscles and fat. I really like to think that it's my heavier side that helped, but maybe it was the adrenaline too, but I was able to tackle Eric to the ground. 
I struggled to hold him in place, but the skinny nutbag broke free from my grasp, and he proceeded to run at Michaela and Jade, who were already on the phone with the police. I tried tackling him once more, while he then yelled out, It's all your fault. It's everyone's fault. You're all taking her away from me. I just began laughing and saying, You're a fucking delusional shit. It's you. He tried spitting at me, but for fun, I decided to punch him square in his face twice. I told you you'd fuck around and find out, didn't I? Jade ran out the back, and she looked to see how he managed to scale the wall. Turns out, Eric had grabbed an old chair from a nearby alley, and he decided to bet his chances of jumping as high as he could and use his upper strength to hoist him up. I didn't understand how he knew Michaela was going to be at Jade's, but turns out, Eric had found out from one of Michaela's friends who revealed the location. Eric already knew where Jade lived, but without the access code, he decided to scale the wall in hopes to talk to Michaela without caring for the restraining order. Eventually, the cops arrived quickly, and Eric was arrested. He was found to have hidden a knife, but in the midst of him landing wrong, he didn't prepare to take out his knife, let alone didn't expect for me to come out charging at him. If it weren't for me noticing Eric, or if I never accepted Jade's invitation to come inside, there's a good chance it would have ended completely different. After all this, Eric was charged with violating the restraining order, stalking, trespassing, and a lot of other stuff that were eventually discovered that weren't involved with the relationship turmoil. I haven't heard or seen from him since, but it's safe to assume he's currently in jail. Jade and I remained friends after this. Michaela's doing well and has since graduated from community college in 2021, and she's currently attending university four hours away from our hometown. I got to help Michaela in looking for different art programs for her both in-state and out-of-state, and she was offered scholarships to the university where she attends now. She hasn't dated since, and she wants to keep it that way. This all happened to my mother when I was just a baby. Before my mom married my dad, she had dated a man named Craig. At first he was sweet, but he slowly became abusive. My mom tried to leave him multiple times, but Craig always threatened her. After one violent argument, my mom waited and then fled in the middle of the night. Years had passed and she eventually got married and had me. My dad's work included a lot of traveling, so it was mostly just my mom and I alone in our big acreage home. My mom was in the kitchen making lasagna while I was sitting in my high chair. It was extremely hot that day, so she opened the kitchen door to let in some air. She heard heavy footsteps entering into the kitchen behind her. My excited mom assumed it was my dad, and she then turned around with a, Hello, my love and her excitement immediately turned to horror. There was Craig standing in the middle of our kitchen with a gun visibly tucked into his pants. Craig smiled at her and asked what she was making. My mom mustered enough courage and she told him it was lasagna. She was physically shaking as Craig sat himself down beside me. He playfully pinched my cheek and my baby self just laughed at him. My mom was holding back tears as she finally asked him what he was doing in the house. 
Craig then said that he just wanted to visit my mom and that he would leave when he was done eating. When the lasagna was ready, she had to serve him some. My mom took me and then sat across from Craig so she could keep an eye on him. Craig said he still had her things at his house and she was welcome any time to come get them. My mom said she didn't need any of it though and he could throw it out. Craig started to get agitated and he said that she threw him away like the garbage too. Craig said she was acting tough but that he knew deep down inside she was still the stupid girl he dated. Craig claimed that my mom needed him in her life and that she couldn't function if he wasn't there to help her. He said he needed to be there to raise me because my dad was a loser who would never be able to protect my mom or I. Craig said if he was crazy, he could have easily kidnapped us or done things to my mom because my dad was a pussy who couldn't protect what was his. My mom started to cry and she told Craig to leave the house. Craig said that it wasn't her house and that he had every right to be there. My mom then said if he didn't leave, she would call the police, which really made him angry. Craig then threatened if the cops got involved, he would hire men to cut her up into pieces and film it. My mom started to cry even louder, and an agitated Craig threw his plate, and then he yelled at her to stop crying and that he loved her. My baby self got scared and started to cry too, which then caused Craig to stand up and approach my mom. She jumped out of her chair with me cradled in her arms, and she then begged for Craig to spare my life. Craig tried to reach over to touch my mom, but she got so scared that she fell to the floor, sobbing. The phone began to ring, and Craig became so overwhelmed that he ran out of the house. The cops and his own family found him about to shoot himself in the head. His adult son had to convince him not to do it. My mom was just so traumatized that she didn't want to deal with any of it, so she got a restraining order against him. Her and my dad then moved across the country. I was curious, and I decided to search this guy up, and I was absolutely shocked to see that he was dating a college-aged girl who looked just like the woman he couldn't have. He really was fucking insane. So before I begin on this next story, I just wanted to mention that this isn't exactly a crazy ex story, but I still felt like it fit the general theme and topic of this video. Major Trigger Warning for Sexual Assault I would like to remain anonymous, and I'm going to be changing his name to avoid him finding out that I shared this story. I will also send screenshots and photos to verify the story, but I don't want them shared publicly. The story is very long. I'll refer to him as John. I met this man when I was around 16, and I became friends with him. That is, until he became obsessed with me, and I stopped talking to him because he was scaring me. I've recently found out that he's been lying to me about how old he was back then, and that he at the time was 26 years old, and he had also lied about his name to avoid me being able to identify him to law enforcement, or so I'm assuming. So now I'm almost 30, and I hadn't heard from John in years. I went out for one of my friend's birthdays about a year ago, and she wanted to go to a club. I don't dance, so I was kind of just hanging out awkwardly on the balcony of the club and having a drink, and all of a sudden, I started feeling really out of it. 
I also want to mention that I'd only had one drink and I fell down. I don't really remember very much after that, but I woke up in a random motel with blood all over my legs and no one else was there. For a few days, I didn't know what happened until John started sending text messages saying that he had a really good night with me and he started saying that we were in a relationship now and that he couldn't wait for the baby to get here. I then realized that my blood had come from my IUD being pulled out of me that night. I can only assume that he somehow got into my phone and got my phone number the night he assaulted me because we hadn't spoken in years and I had a new number. John proceeded to message me every day on different phone numbers and he would call me 50 plus times a day for months trying to figure out if I was pregnant. But because he never admitted to assaulting me, the police told me they couldn't arrest him without proof and I still didn't know his real name at this time. One night though, my best friend came over to my house to spend the night, and then right after she left, a woman was kidnapped right in front of my house. Later that day, John had messaged my best friend on a Facebook account with a fake name, and then said, So what were you two doing last night? I went to the police and I showed them a photo, as well as the messages he sent to her and they again said that wasn't proof and that he didn't do anything wrong. The harassment continued to the point that I actually had to change jobs because I was so scared that he was going to show up in my work and try to kidnap me. Well, about a month after the kidnapping, John had started calling me around midnight over and over. I then heard something at one of my windows, and I realized that he was trying to break into my house. I called my best friend and the police, and he left when he heard me on the phone with the police. And he called the police as well, saying that I was his ex-girlfriend and that he had left a gun in my house that he wanted back. He started sending messages, saying things like, Can I please have my stuff back? And, I don't know why you're acting like you're scared of me, because we had a really good relationship. The police showed up to my house, and I showed them the messages. The police officer texted him from my phone to not contact my number anymore, and they found a loaded gun right outside of my house. He had already left, and he gave the police the same fake name. The messages and calls stopped for about a month after this incident. That is, until I started receiving gifts on my porch. They came with notes attached, telling me how sorry he was that he caused us to break up, and how all he wanted to be was my child's dad and husband one day. He then messaged my best friend again, asking her if she would help us get back together and that if he keeps messaging me, if I'll keep getting mad at him. I ended up finding out his real name and I found multiple charges for assaulting women and kidnapping, amongst other things. The police have told me my only option at this point is to get a restraining order, but no one knows where this man lives and he doesn't have a job, so it's going to be almost impossible to find him and that it's not illegal for him to be in my neighborhood or to send messages because he hasn't been served a no-contact order. I'll be sure to provide an update if anything else happens in the future.